Welcome to The Archetypist, the only analytics-based genre fiction podcast. I'm Jacob, one of your hosts here today to bring you a late episode of the podcast. I know we usually post on Monday, but I have had a rough weekend and had to work Sunday and we had a we had a we had a Christmas party on Saturday and I also had someplace to be Friday, so it's been kind of a scramble to get this thing recorded. So today I want to do something a little bit different and kind of shift the focus. I know in my strain of the podcast, um, we've been doing a lot more like formal lessons, like things that I would talk to my students about and uh, things that I would teach in the classroom. And Kathleen's kind of taken the opposite approach where she's kind of pulling together a bunch of different resources for you guys. But I wanted to kind of shift the conversation from general writing advice or accepted conventional writing advice and move it towards personal experiences and how my own personal experience of writing a book and my process of generating ideas from novel, sorry, from idea to to finished book uh, might be a little bit different than yours or anyone else's. I don't think that anyone has a process that totally fits everyone else or even anyone else. I think that uh, anytime you run across prescriptive writing advice saying like, you know, you have to write 15 different drafts of your novel before it's ready, or I only write one draft of the novel and then it's ready. You know, each person is different. Each person writes at a different rate and a different speed. And each person's first draft has different problems. And really your job as young writers or or, or newer writers is to really be self-conscious of your process and how you're feeling during the whole thing and really self-analyze what seems to be working for you and what seems to be a detriment to you. Um, Are you the type of person who writes every day? Are you the type of person who needs an outline? Are you the type of person that feels confined by an outline? All these things are good things to know. And the only way that you can really figure out what does work for you is by writing yourself and by going through the process and and, and doing the work to really find out how you work. Not many people has, have sat down to write an entire novel before. And by not being self-conscious, you're kind of doing yourself and your process a disservice. But anyway, off the tangent, I want to talk about um, the sort of process that I came up with that seemed to have worked really well for doing the first draft of my current novel, which the working title is Ectomancer. Now to set the stage here, it was late 2019. Um, I had just come off of an entire year of writing short stories. I'd graduated from Seton Hill in 2017, had worked a little bit on my thesis, had um, worked a little bit on some short stories, had started a new novel. I was feeling kind of listless. I, I abandoned that novel. Um, in 2018, uh, just because it was really derivative and it's not really something that I had my heart in. I just was writing to continue writing. Um, and I didn't feel ready in 2019 to go back to my thesis novel because it was good in some ways and it was really, really broken in other ways. And in order to fix those problems, I would have had to probably do a rewrite from square one. And I felt like I wasn't a good enough writer to tackle those problems in a timely manner. Just a little bit about my thesis novel. It was um, 
projected to be over 400,000 words before I cut uh, an entire character out of it and just in order to finish it in time for my grad school deadline so I wouldn't have to take an extra semester. Um, so it's a beast of a book. And I had grown a lot while writing it. So I didn't really feel like I wanted to dive back into that mess until I had written a couple other things. So at the end of 2018, I decided I'm going to write a bunch of short stories. Oh, I'm only going to write short stories that year. I got a couple of them published on small presses. It was great. It was a, it, it was a good time. But by the end of the year, I was pretty burnt out at um, just because when you decide you're only writing short stories, you're really setting yourself up to think of and then execute a bunch of different ideas pretty much rapid fire one after the other. I didn't really take any breaks. I wrote every day. If I wasn't writing a short story, I was brainstorming and free writing on how to start a new short story. And I realized I didn't really become a writer to write short stories. I became a writer because I wanted to write novels and see my book on a shelf in Barnes and Noble or Walmart or what have you. So I decided, okay, I did this year of short stories. It's time. It's time to attempt another novel. But I didn't really know what I wanted to write about uh, because I'd always written fantasy. I had tried a science fiction novel and I didn't like it. And I just felt really lost. And around that time, I was trying to figure out what was really important to me, why I liked the books that I liked. And I think that's a really important question to ask yourself because all of us writers were inspired to write you probably remember the moment when you put down a book and you thought, I wish there was more of that, or I could probably do that better. Um, I'm not going to say which one I thought. But, you know, when I was in middle school, I I really enjoyed Lord of the Rings, and I wish there was more than the, you know, the four books, including The Hobbit, um, of, of narrative. I don't really include The Silmarillion or, 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 or the, uh, the Children of, um, I forget the name of the book, but... Uh, I don't really include Tolkien's expanded universe stuff in there because I don't really think he really ever intended those to be published um, as they were at the time. So anyway, I ended up going to see The Rise of Skywalker, the last Star Wars film. And I remember watching the trailer. Um, it was John Williams's last movie uh, that he was going to do for Star Wars because it was the end of the second, uh, I guess the third trilogy. And it was clear he kind of went all out on the soundtrack. It was pretty epic. I mean, the Star Wars soundtrack for the opening titles is already epic, but he'd added in like extra horns and strings and it was just a really big sound. And I got kind of emotional listening to it because, you know, Star Wars defined my childhood. And I went and saw the movie. I'm not I'm going to reserve judgment for why it could have been better in my opinion, but <laughs> I'm going to reserve judgment of Star Wars cuz I, I don't think that uh, this is the time or the place to talk about it. But I, after I, I saw the film, I realized what really, what I really like in stories is when you have a person who is really just outclassed, standing up against an enemy that by all rights should just completely destroy them. Um, but standing up anyway, because it's the right thing to do and somehow triumphing even in the greatest of odds. I mean, that's like space opera. That's that's most, you know, YA fantasy. Um, and it's also the reason why I don't like the Captain America and Superman films, because, you know, they could be super villains in their own right. 
you know, they don't really struggle because their powers aren't aren't matched with the antagonist. My favorite Star Wars film was always Rogue One after it came out, and before that, A New Hope, because Luke Skywalker and Jyn Erso were just so outclassed by everyone else, but they decided that they were going to do the right thing anyway. So, I knew at that point I wanted to write a story, and I wanted to have an image of the main character standing up against darkness that totally outclassed him, and I wanted him to triumph in the end. And taking that a step further, I realized that's why I had really enjoyed the Dresden Files, because Harry Dresden is always outclassed. I mean, say what you will about the the, the sexism in those books, um, but Dresden has always been outclassed. He's always been the underdog, and but he stands up for what he believes in anyway, and he does the right thing, even though he could very well get himself killed, and somehow he triumphs. So I, I knew I wanted to do that. I knew I wanted to have that sort of impossible odds feeling. I also knew that even though I had completed my MFA and I was an avid reader and I had written all these short stories and I had written 90,000 words of a science fiction novel, I wasn't really happy with where my writing was at the time. And by that I mean I felt like I could write really good words. I felt I could write good characters. I felt I could write good good fight scenes. I didn't feel I had a great grasp of structure or other genres outside of epic fantasy and science fiction. So I decided I wanted to do something kind of out of the box and do something a little bit more structured for me and write a mystery novel with within a fantasy setting. And I had just read The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler and I also really enjoy the noir aesthetic, um, so I decided I was going to write what I then dubbed a paranormal noir. And I had also read a book called Sandman Slim that year as well, and that that was one that also sort of um, influenced me here. So I, I had three things. I knew it inspired me, I knew the format, a novel, of my project, and I knew the genre, which was going to be urban fantasy, paranormal noir. Now all I needed was a character, a plot, a conflict, and an antagonist, <laughs> which is pretty much everything else. But the first thing that I did at that point is I went out and I bought an unlined leather journal. Um, and I just sat down and I listed out the things that I liked about the novels that I liked. Um, for example, I liked how Richard Cardray in Sandman Slim, how he handled uh, the main character's gear. I, I liked how um, Brandon Sanderson in uh, the Stormlight Archives, I, like, I liked how he tied in elements of the world from the first page to the end of the book, so everything kind of came full circle. And I liked the sarcastic voice of Dresden's character. So I kind of had a couple elements that I wanted to work in there. And then um, I free wrote on those ideas. I free wrote about a character, a plot structure, that sort of thing. I filled up two whole notebooks with character sketches, loose character sketches, more bordering on free writes. Um, two whole notebooks of about, I think they were 320 pages if you count front and back each. Um, just handwritten stuff about this novel, what I wanted to include. And then from that, I um, filled up a second journal. Uh, so you're looking at 640 pages of just pre-work free writing. And 
I mean, I still reference these things now because they're my book Bibles. They're where my ideas came from. They're where I worked through the bad ideas and came out with the good ideas. When I free write, I, I, start, I start by writing the first sentence. I don't know what to write about this. I don't know what to do about this. I am totally lost and I don't know what to do. And then I start with the maybe exercise that I mentioned last episode. I say, well, maybe I do this. Maybe this happens. Maybe this happens. And eventually my brain keys in on something. And I spend the rest of that free write working on how to work the rest of those, that information into the structure of the novel that I've already established or changing the structure of the novel that I've already decided on and then going back and revising and revising and revising so I don't break my entire world. From this point... Once I have the character and I have the crime and I have the magic system and I have more or less his backstory worked out, I went to Michael's and got, uh, I guess it's Joanne's in this town, but I went to the craft store and got a giant roll of, um, it's not poster paper, but it's like a, it's like a banner paper where you can unroll it. It's like 30 feet of like 24 inches high by 30 feet long and it comes in like a wrapping paper roll. I unrolled that and I do something called the collapsing wave structure where I draw a box in the middle, I'm sorry, at one end of the page and I draw two arrows and I say, and I write in the box the inciting incident of the story. And on one arrow, I write as a result of this and then I draw a second box and and then I write the second um, plot point, essentially. And then underneath that, I write a third plot point. And then eventually, these boxes continue to expand and expand and expand, uh, linked by an arrow that says, as a result of this, X happens, and X is the next plot point. Until you have this giant web of, it's just, essentially it's a mind map of just plot points. And then you reach the climax, and your job at the climax is to, as quickly as possible, collapse those giant, like 20 to 30 boxes into three boxes and then one box where the protagonist uh, confronts the villain. And what this does, it's, it's, it's really a free writing technique here where you get to just sort of mind map and you get to figure out exactly what happens in your novel and every possibility potentially of the character's actions, how it affects the plot. And then from there, you can find the thread or threads that you like best and build an outline from that. Now, once I had finished this, I did it again with the antagonist because with mystery, I feel that your antagonist always has to be a step ahead of the protagonist. So I decided that I was going to do a collapsing wave for the antagonist that included his backstory because the backstory of the villain generally is something that the sleuth uncovers throughout the story. The backstory influences the current events of the story. Generally, the antagonist has been planning these murders or his crime for months and months and months now, and the protagonist walks into his plan like right before he succeeds. So he's at an immense disadvantage. So I decided I really wanted to you know, not have my antagonist just be this looming figure that didn't have an objective in the first draft. I wanted him to have an objective and be working behind the scenes because I didn't want to have to fix that in, in later drafts. So what I did was I got a legal-sized sheet of paper 
And at the top of that sheet of paper, I wrote the antagonist once, and I wrote 30 plot points um, for how he would accomplish this. I put that aside and I did the same thing for the protagonist. And what do you know, at the end of that, I was able to match those up and compare them. And I had the basic bare bones scene structure of my story. Um, Now, the protagonist, his point of view would be the only one in the novel. But like I said, the antagonist is so closely tied to the protagonist that, you know, I count that pre-work as part of the novel as well. Um, So I had all these notes, right? I had a bunch of uh, notes on the world in my journals, notes on character. I had, again, two journals, uh, 300 or 600 and some pages filled with handwritten notes. I had two distinct outlines. I had a 20-page Word document that I forgot to mention uh, that is was only about the world and the like the magical um, uh, hidden world. Uh, and I had essentially like, 40,000 words of world building and plotting and no organizational system. So what I did was I went on Google and I went on their Google sites, Google sites, um, app, and it lets you create a wiki. So I set about organizing an entire website about my book. Um, so I inputted all the primary secondary characters, the basic plot structure, the character sheets, the magic system, and this act of copying and recopying my notes into the computer and, and inputting them, it allowed me to really re-familiarize myself with the story. Cause at this point it had been almost a year. It had been most of 2020 that I had been, been planning this book, um, after, you know, in the midst of dealing with the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, so I had all these all these notes, and then I decided, well, a 30-point scene structure isn't really enough. I want a scene-by-scene outline. So I went through, and I created scene cards. Victoria Schwab talks a lot about this on her Twitter, where she writes the basic objective of each scene and what the character accomplishes, and um, she puts them on index cards. Well, I wanted to go one step further. I put them on my on my wiki site, which wasn't live at the time and still is not live. And I then free wrote on each scene. And by doing that, I was able to find out that like, Hey, I really skipped some things. I really skipped, um, you know, some bridge scenes, the characters acting out of, out of character here. Uh, you know, Hey, I, I, I addressed this in the previous scene, but I didn't address this in this scene. It doesn't make any sense. So essentially I had all of my chapters free written out scene by scene, plot point by plot point. And at the end, I put a list. I said, at the end of this scene, the the character has to do these things. He's discovered this information. And this means in the next scene, he has to do this, 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 and this. And by going back and just reading the ends of these, these uh, scene cards, I was able to see if my next scenes accomplished what I had set out for them to do. At this point, I was able to revise my structure one more time. I wrote a 10-page synopsis, and then I wrote my elevator pitch query letter, and I wrote a one-page synopsis before I even wrote the beginning of chapter one. Now, 
That's not totally true because I had free written and actual words that I had free written ended up being in my first chapters. In fact, one of the first things I did was write the first chapter of this or part of the first chapter of this book when I introduced the character. Um, but I didn't actually sit down and write chapter one until after I had done all of this, like write, actually like physically write the words chapter one and decide where I wanted to start the story. So finally, at this point, each scene had been organized chronologically with the framework of what happens, dialogue, character beats, the, the character's next step, um, all of that. It took me all of 2020 to do. In January 2021, I started writing Ectomancer. And in, let's see, August, I only had about 20,000 words left, uh, which has been by far the fastest I, I'd ever written a book. Since then, in September, I finished the novel at 60,000 words, and I already had a plan for revision, things I had to go back and change, uh, elements, plot points I had to work in, notes on how I had to revise my first draft, um, and changes that I wanted to implement on the next draft. Now, one thing I've realized about myself is that my prime writing time is really January to September or October because November and December roll around and the holidays come up and there's travel and, you know, things wrap up at work and or things ramp up at work for me um, in my current job right now. So I have not made too, too great progress on the second draft of this book, but I know exactly what I need to do, exactly where I need to go and what I have to change. I just need right now the time and the energy and, you know, the effort to go back and do it. And despite the pandemic, despite essentially rewriting the story three times before I had even officially written the first word of the first chapter on an actual Word document, this has been the fastest and easiest process of writing a book that I have ever ever done. And it's because looking back, I didn't put any pressure on myself until I started writing chapter one back in January of 2021. And that's because when you're free writing, you can just cross stuff out. It's all really bullshit. It's not real quote unquote words. I don't feel like I'm wasting them if I'm trying to figure things out for myself. So what I learned for me was that that process, I'm going to repeat that and continue doing it. Now, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. I ran into like several emotional problems with myself throughout the story because, or throughout the draft because I was so used to discovery writing that I was used to getting those hits of dopamine when I finished a chapter and when I finally figured something out. And because I'd already done that earlier, I wasn't really getting those. Uh, so it was really interesting. I, I've had, I had really dark moments drafting the book cause I was like, this is all bad. This is awful. But then going back and reading it, I had actually written a pretty usable and a pretty not polished, but a very readable first draft, which also made sense structurally, which is more than I can say for any of the other novels I'd written up to that point. So just to recap, my process was idea generation why do you like what you like? Free write a butt ton. Free write until the cows come home. Free write until your arm falls off. Compile your notes. Write an outline. Revise the outline. 
create a book Bible or a book wiki while revising your notes again, and then write chapter one. And I found just by following that process, my life got a whole lot easier. And hopefully yours will too. If you are self, if you're introspective and you, and you really pay attention about what works for your brain, but we've gone way longer than I anticipated. It's almost been 29 minutes or 30 minutes. And these episodes are supposed to be like 15. So that's all I have for you today. Uh, So have a great rest of your day or night. And as always, stay positive, stay safe, stay connected. Archetypists out.